0: Good morning, everybody. You know, uh, it's funny when stuff like that happens. Is it completely frozen? If it's completely frozen, just go black. I don't need anything. I'll go without it. Um, you know, it's funny how, how this uh, stuff like this happens. Pastor Armie explained uh, with the internet and so on. Actually, until about five minutes before the service, we had no internet. And I was just preparing to everybody just to try and remember the words to all the songs. Um, but it's funny how distractions can happen, eh? They can throw you off. You know, this today, I'm actually completing a series I started in January about having a fresh start, Uh, not just to 2020 and all that stuff, but just having a fresh start. We talked about having a fresh revelation. Hey, there we go. Uh, We talked about having a fresh revelation. Nope, there we go. Uh, And we talked about having a fresh revelation, talked about having a fresh anointing, and uh, today we're going to finish with having a fresh impact. Now, what's funny is all of this has to do with. The whole idea of a new year and having a fresh start and of course anybody knows you made your your uh, resolutions at the beginning of the year did anybody make an actual resolution a real one anybody come on admit it it's okay I know you probably failed on it by now it's March nobody last till March okay you did are you good extra glass of water see that is that is in the business world that is what we call a smart goal it's strategic it's measurable it's attainable it's repeatable and it has a timeline. Very well done. One extra glass of water a day, and they're still going. Good for you. But you know, that's a smart one. It's it's not like people would say, "I'm going to go to the gym three times a week." Nobody except for Val goes to the gym three times a week. Okay, only people who are really good at stuff like that. But you get it. But life interrupts us. It's funny uh, as um we had the problems with the with uh, the the the. the the technology and so on and right when I was sitting back there I was sitting back there just preparing and I got a call from work okay and so you see life sometimes just happens right and uh, we can get distracted but it's important now this morning we get our focus so now that we have my slides up I want to just kind of recap a little bit where we go can you go to the next slide guys is it working enough for, for you to go to that the picture of the water uh, if you remember way back in January those of you who weren't, weren't here won't remember but in January we looked at this that sometimes life can get like the water on this side or that side depending on where you're sitting. The ugly, putrid, stagnant water that you see there. Who's ever seen a pool of water like that, you know? Ugly, stagnant, sitting still. And it's, it's still, remember what I said about this, it's important to remember. It's still H2O in there, okay? What's in there and what's in there is the same thing, but they look completely different. And it can be like that in our lives, too. We're all human. We're all in this together. We all have a spirit, body, soul. We all have that. But sometimes we can look like that or feel like that. And sometimes we can look or feel uh, like the other side. And so what this series is about is about stirring the water. That's what you have to do to make that water look good again. What do you do? you got to... You've got to start stirring it. You've got to move it. You've got to take out the impurities. You've got to refocus it. Maybe you've got to put it in a different uh, container, whatever it may be. So this is what we were talking about. And so uh, we started by talking about how you need a fresh revelation. Okay. So if you go to the next one now on the fresh revelation on the slide, remember this. It said, when Jesus said to uh, Simon, he said, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Now, do you guys know what he was talking about? This is when Peter said to him, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. So it's when Peter realized who Jesus was. Jesus wasn't just a really nice religious leader. Jesus wasn't just a moral man. Don't worry, that guy doesn't have coronavirus. So everybody look, it's just a sneeze. It happens. Okay. Um, right. So when Peter finally realized that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, he says, you get it now. And it wasn't revealed to you by your understanding, by your mathematical, intellectual mind. It was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit himself, by God himself. So this morning, if you're here and you're saying, well, I'm not really sure I even know who Jesus is. It's. I, I really do hope you listen to me this morning, but it's not me that's going to convince you. It's not me that if you do already believe it, it wasn't man that convinced you or a woman that convinced you. It was the Holy Spirit of God revealing himself to you and you understand who Jesus is. So that's the first step in stirring the waters and getting things right. Then we jump to the next one, which was having a fresh anointing. So if you jump to the next one, and so we start with Jesus, right? Because he's our best example. It said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit. So remember who reveals the truth of Jesus to you? Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, right? God, the Holy Spirit. And God was anointed. God the Father anointed Jesus the son with the Holy Spirit and power. And how we went around, what? Doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So being anointed, one comes from where? Where does anointing come from? God only, Holy Spirit only. And when we are anointed, what do we do? The same things he did. We don't recreate the game, we don't change the rules, we do the things Jesus did. That's who we copy, that's who we talk about. And that actually is now leading us into our, th- our, our third part, the impact that people who believe in Jesus had. So let's read here. Thank you, good job. The 70 returned with joy, it said. Okay, so what, I'm going to give you background so you understand. Jesus came and he was anointed, and then he got some followers, and the followers, this is what they would do. Like normal humans, they just started following around everywhere. Everywhere he went. They would just follow him around and watch what he did and listen to him talk. And finally he said, hey, enough of this just following me around. Go and have an impact. Go and do something. And they said, well, what do we do? And he says, go house to house, praying for people, telling people about the kingdom of God, and doing this and doing that, healing the sick. Basically he said, go and do the stuff I was doing because I'm giving you that authority. I'm giving you that power to do it. So they, they went up and did it, and then they come back, and they say this, Lord, even the demons are subject to us through your name. And he said, Yeah, I saw Satan and his lightning fall from heaven. Look, I, Jesus said, I gave you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather that your names are written in heaven, and so on and so forth. Okay, We don't have to go through all that, but we get the impact that the Early believers had They basically had an impact that looked a lot Like the impact that Jesus had Okay, and so today The question is what kind of impact Are we expected to have on the world Around us Amen. Okay, now the first uh, Rebuttal or the first Issue I'd like to address is people here Who think you have no impact or that you make no Difference Okay, there, I know what happens, people say Well I'm a nobody, I have no impact, I'm not Famous, I'm not powerful, I'm not rich I don't have an impact so the first thing we have to address is that absolutely everybody has an impact every human has an impact in one way or another the question really is just what is yours what are you doing you know um, how many of you know somebody every time they walk in a room the room just lights up yeah. anybody have somebody in that life oh and this person gets there man they're the life of the party yeah. anybody know people like that you know Um, anybody know people who they come in a room and everybody just goes quiet because no one wants to talk to that person (laughs) you ever had that right and we all have different ways of impacting and it's important that you realize that it's not only those that make the most noise that are impactful I'm one of those people I make a lot of noise and if there's a big group watch at any church event or any event if there's a big group and there's some yelling to be done Even people who kind of know me will go, can you do it? And I'll get up on a chair and I'll yell. You know, Uh, John was witness to this Friday. My team, we were losing Friday night. My hockey team was losing late in the game. Okay, I'm not one of the better players, but I'm one of the older players. And we were losing and I made a change. I told them where to go and made a change. And I said who should go out and who shouldn't go out. We tied the game and then we won in overtime. Okay, not because of anything I actually did playing, but because I took over the situation. I had an impact, right? But that's, it'd be, oh yeah, well, that's what you're like. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that you don't have an impact. The guy that scored the, scored the goal had an impact. You know who else had an impact? The guy that I benched. Because instead of complaining and whining that he didn't get his shift, I said, listen, you're not going to play. I'm going to put this guy instead of you. And he didn't go, ah, <laughs> He had an impact by not doing anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we all have impacts in different ways. It's just a matter of how that happens. Some are big and some are small, but some are very, very important. Listen, I've told this story before, but it's, it's important to remember that even the words you say to your children when they're young can have a massive impact. You know? Small words, big words, whatever it may be. The things you say to your neighbors, the things you say to each other, they can have impact. Just the words, the, uh, the book of James, which we're going to go into later, says, consider what a large fire can be set with the tongue. Yeah. Right? So never say, I don't have an impact. We all do. You know, when you get cut off in traffic, there's a big difference between saying nothing and yelling F you out the window. A whole new thing can start you know a whole new problem can start there's a big difference at work to the way you respond to people there's a big difference uh, to the way uh, on the street the way we respond to people you know everything can have an effect I was uh, you know (laughs) yesterday my daughter and I went to Walmart okay in Vaudreuil. I don't know if you've been to the Vaudreuil Walmart, but it's nice and big, and it's huge. It's got huge, much better than the Kirkland one, miles better than the one on Hymas. Go to the Vaudreuil one, okay? And it's big, but we were coming to the end of an aisle, and two older gentlemen decided that the best place to have a conversation about who knows what was literally in the aisle, in like where everybody's trying to go by, right? And I have to be honest with you, and I knew they were French, so... My my flesh started coming up, and I wanted to be like, "Voyons donc la tasse toi." Okay, I wanted to say that, and it, but the guy saw me at the last second, and I thought, okay, I'm not going to react. Rianne's here with me. I got to set a good example, <laughs> right? Uh, whatever. And the guy finally saw us coming, and I think one of them clued in. Oh, this is a really stupid place to be standing and having a conversation. Whoop! Oh. You know what? he moved. But like, I could have impacted everybody. I could have impacted him. I, first of all, it's embarrassing on everybody else. I could have impacted my daughter, whatever, just by these little things. So don't ever say you don't have an impact. We all have an impact. You're having an impact right now. I just looked this way, and Yolanda was going, yes, agreeing with something I said. So that impacts me. Now there's a, there's a repriscibility going on here, okay? Oh, that's a good idea. I'll number that for the next time. A tip, hit their heels with a cart by, ac- by accident, right, Yolanda? Okay. Um, right there's a there's a way that we're always having an impact on each other but the problem is is that we try to go uh, we try to go too big okay um, we try to go too big often in life I grew up in a Christian era if you weren't around in the early 2000s you wouldn't know about too much in Christianity but a lot of worship music was you remember like history makers and the world changers you remember those songs And, like, so there was all this pressure on young people to be a history maker or a world changer. And when you're young, you think that's actually possible. So you're like, yeah, I want to be a history maker. Yeah, I want to be a world changer. And then you're like, by the time you start working and get a family, you realize, can I just fix, like, my house? Never mind the world. Like... I've got it, my, my own little universe is big enough for me to handle, whatever, but then you feel like there's some senses of disappointment, because you're not changing the world, and you're not making history, but the truth is, you are changing the world in a way, you are making history in a way, just not in the way maybe that it's so grandiose, and that's the problem, we get messed up sometimes, we get, lo- we get stuck in that idea that, well, if I'm going to live for God, if I'm going to live for Christ, it has to be huge, I have to lead thousands and millions uh, to the Lord, I have to, uh, you you know, I have to be out there preaching to billions. There are some people that do that. God bless them, the guys who, um, women who preach to millions and, and lead thousands, good for them. And they're having an impact, certainly. But in the same way you're having an impact, even if it's on one or two people, it's important, it's important that you think because you're not doing world-changing things, you know, that it has no impact. You know, I, I thought of this a great example, you ready for us? Eventually, in the next couple of weeks, somebody somewhere is going to find a vaccine for coronavirus. Somebody. Apparently, Israel's is clo- Israel is close, I think Korea is close. Somebody's going to find it, and everybody's going to stop whining about it, okay? But when they do, you're going to think, whoa, that guy is so famous. So that woman scientist, what a famous person they are. They're so famous, and everybody's going to, uh, whatever. But you know how you have an impact? Wash your hands. No, you know what I'm saying? Yes, sure, that person's impact is very impactful, but if you continue to wash your hands and cough into your elbow, and uh, if you're sick, don't go to work, you're having an impact and you're helping stop it. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be huge to be real and to make a difference. There's another thing I want to address about having an impact in society. One is, and this is important, especially for you people as Christians, Christians can have your reputation for being mean. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Christians can have a reputation for being mean, okay? We've heard it here a thousand times. I don't want to take it too long, but as Catherine or anybody else uh, who's worked as a waitress can tell you or a waiter can tell you, often Sunday afternoons are the worst shifts because Christians are rude, mean, and tip terribly. (laughs) Catherine, am I telling the truth? See, she's saying, yep. Okay, and they know people don't want to work the Sunday afternoon shift. How screwed up is that? It should be the exact opposite. Waiters and waitresses should be scrambling over themselves to work when the Christians are around because they feel blessed, they feel encouraged, and they get tipped well. So it's sad that they'd rather work on a Friday night when everybody's drunk and over-tipping them because they're not sure how much they're putting in, whatever, right? Over-tipping than working when the Christians are around, right? So there's that side of it. So we definitely need folks. When you're out there and you're at at the restaurant or you're at the the McDonald's even or the Tim Hortons or whatever, be the nicest person. Can you do that? Can you be the most patient person? Listen, I worked at a Pizza Hut. I know what you people can be like. Okay, you. I mean, uh, society. Okay, we're not the king and queen of England, right? So let's. Be out there and be the nicest, most encouraging, kind people we can be. And tip well. It means a lot. But I want to address the other side of the coin. Christians can be considered mean because we have values that the world hates. Okay? I'm not going to go one by one through them all, but I bet you can guess what some of them are. There are sometimes Christians, we get called intolerant a lot. Uh, Because we have values, we believe things that not everybody else believes. Okay? Now, what matters most is how you express and share those beliefs. I am not saying for a moment that we should compromise on the things that are most important to us. Okay? And the things that really matter. But the way we express them and share them matters very, very much. Okay? The Bible tells us to do everything out of love. Now... The world says, you can't love me and disagree with anything I say. We can't accept that. Okay, that can't be. Okay, but when we have to express a difference of opinion on a matter that's very controversial, it's very tough, it's important that we remain in a right attitude and a right mind and a right heart. Okay, and understand the position that someone else is coming from. Okay, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, again, I... I don't want to get into politics, but in the US, the American politicians who are in charge with addressing the coronavirus, they were, take, they were getting ready for a meeting to talk about how to handle it. And before the meeting started, they prayed. Did anybody see this picture? They just prayed. Then, of course, a lot of secular general media took up on it and started mocking them. Like, what a bunch of idiots. Okay, because they're praying when we need a scientific solution to the coronavirus. Okay. Now, you can sit there and be offended and be like, (laughs) or understand, if you don't believe there's a God, it is insane to spend time praying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So understand where they're coming from. I'm not saying their attitude is right, but the Bible tells us they're blind to the things of God. So, of course, they think it's crazy. So instead of getting upset at them for making fun of us for praying, just keep on praying. Okay? Don't try to fix them. Because what happens is, if you pray, and when you pray, the Bible says, when you pray and two or three are gathered, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. So when we pray and stuff happens, maybe then they'll stop mocking us. Instead of getting into a fight over what they said about what you did. Now, I'm boiling that down. Think about that in your own personal experience. Okay? Think about it. To someone who doesn't, I was, you know, you you, you have to understand that most people have zero experience with the things of God. Zero experience with what the Bible says about something. So you can't just assume that they're going to understand. So it's important that when we're talking to them and we want to have an impact in their lives, that we address this. Okay? So the question is, do you bring light into your situation? Do you bring life? And Jesus actually specifically addressed how Christians should do this in uh, probably the most, famous, uh, one of the most famous sermon that even people who don't go to church know a lot about, and we call that the Sermon on the Mount. right? So if you can go to the next slide. Here are some words of Jesus. He said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot. Okay, stop. How many of you still actually put salt on your food? Anybody here? I'm not allowed. My wife says so. Okay. Um, anybody else? You remember though? Remember back in the 80s? It was like, hey, salt. Yay. Remember? I remember uh, I said, I don't know if Andrew is here. Me, me, and, me and Dave Christensen, we used to go to Swiss LA every Sunday with my parents and his parents, the Christensen boys. And we would go there every, do you remember Swiss LA before they left? remember that? Oh, man, I missed that place. Okay. And uh, we'd go to a chalet and they would order their chicken and whatever and we wouldn't. We would just order two plates of fries. Okay. To split between us. And I remember just taking the salt shaker and be like, (laughs) ha, 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 Right? Remember those days when you're young and you can eat salt? And, uh, but that's all our understanding of salt. Right? Unless you're into cured meats like somebody over here. You know, nobody really deals with salt in the same way that they're talking about. It's important to understand what Jesus is talking about here. Okay, because you think, oh, Jesus is talking about salty meat. Who puts salt on their roast beef? Some people do, by the way, but uh, who does that? That's not what he's talking about. Okay, you're ready to understand what he's talking about? Because it said here, right? In the olden days, and even now today, you could still do it. Fresh meat was preserved with salt. So you would literally cut up the animal, chop, 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 slice, slice, slice. Okay? And you knew you couldn't eat it all right away, so you would pack it in salt, and you would pack salt around it, work some salt into it, pack it in salt, and then you could wrap it up and put it away to eat later. Okay? That's, how, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about preservation. So if I'm going to talk about it a different way, he could say, you are the preservation of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness, now what's important about the, the thing about salt? Salt is, anybody know what salt is, actually is? It's a mineral right? What does that mean? It's in the ground somewhere, okay? You, you dig for it, and there it is, salt, okay? And then it gets broken down into different things, whatever. So it's something that gets out, it's out of the earth, it's this mineral, and the the, the, the structure of the mineral is such that it, it's a, it, it preserves things, okay? And so what he's saying is that's what you have in you. You can help preserve the earth. He's saying that you are something that helps preserve people, that helps people, that, puts, that makes people don't lose their, uh, if you will, goodness. Okay? Because imagine if you took a raw slab of meat and then you just put it in a drawer, what would happen to it? It would go rancid real fast. Okay? Uh, if you took a raw slab of meat and then you wrapped it in tinfoil and then put it away, what would happen to it? It would still go bad, but maybe a couple of days later, right? Now, today, because we have refrigeration, we slap it in a freezer, okay? They didn't have that, so they would wrap it in, and even today, and I'm not talking about table salt, by the way. This is not table salt, but you get the idea. If you were to wrap the meat in, it would put it away, and it would be preserved. So in the same way, it's talking about us as being salt. But he says, listen to this, if the salt loses its saltiness... It's funny because today being salty means being like having attitude, right? This is not the same, you know, don't be so salty. That means don't be a jerk, right? That is not what we're talking about, okay? It's not what he's saying. But it's saying once you are salty, listen to what Jesus is saying. If you lose it, it's hard to, make, it's hard to do it again, to get it back again. So once you come, you have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus Christ reveals who he is. You understand who he is. He gives you the anointing. And the anointing is to do what? The things that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He went around doing good things. Healing and moving around and helping people and whatever. And that's the salt. That's what it is. He says that's what we're here to do. We're here to be salt in the earth. But if you lose it, it's not good for anything. Just get rid of it. Okay, so it's important to understand that the, again, as I was talking about when we were talking about talking to other people, the responsibility, or I'm going to use another word, you guys know the word onus, right? The responsibility, the onus is on us as Christians to keep our saltiness, not on the world to do the things the way we want it or whatever. If we want to have an impact in our own world, in our own families, in our own house, in our own church, in our own workplace, the responsibility is on us to stay salty in a good way. Not in a bad way, in a persevering way. So we're here to help persevere. We're here to help preserve, excuse me, the world, okay? So salt preserves meat. Now, <laughs> um, then it goes on to say this. Is it up there? It is. You are the light of the world, okay? A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so Jesus is the light of the world, amen? But then he goes and says, you are the light of the world. But it only makes sense logically. If we are following him and he gave us the same power that he had, then we are to do the same thing. So he's saying, again, it's hard for us as a modern audience to get this, right? Because when we want light, what do we do? Right? And now everybody, too. Remember when you used to have to look for flashlights? Do you remember flashlights? Don't need those anymore, right? Any light. Oh, there we go. Right? And I can can even uh, make it brighter or less bright. Okay? And then your battery dies. Um, But what I'm saying is light is so common to us, it's not the same thing. Now, you have to understand what he's talking about. Imagine now you live in 2,000 years ago and you're traveling along a road, and if one person has one lamp lit in a window on their house up on a hill, you are gonna see that from miles away. Miles. I don't know if you've ever been, who's ever been camping up north, like really up north where there's no human interaction, and then at night, the night sky at night. You ever been up there? My goodness. Where you actually see what the sky really looks like? You know when you look up at the sky now and you see a couple of stars, you know that's not what the sky looks like, right? That's, the reason we can't see the sky is because of all our lights. It's almost the opposite. It's like we have too much. Go up north, go camping, or glamping if you're not up for camping, okay? and just watch the night sky. It's incredible. Do you know that even in 2004, so 15, 16 years ago, when Val and I moved to Vaudreuil, when we first moved to Vaudreuil and there was nothing out there, that on certain nights you could see the northern lights. Yeah. Yeah. In Vaudreuil. Yeah, Remember, when we were first year there, now forget it. It's too built up. But the idea is that that's what we are. We're like a light in a house from far away that people can see. And he's saying here, light was precious. Then. He's like, people don't have light and then hide it. You don't go and get oil, which was expensive then and then light a candle or light your lamp and then go, oh, I'm going to hide it under something, you show it. You wouldn't, there's no reason to light the lamp unless you need the light. People weren't like now. Uh, I don't know if you're like, uh, I have a certain member of my family who loves turning off lights. You ever done that? You know, anybody, uh, My father-in-law is like that. My wife is like that. They love turning off lights. You know, If it's light outside, they don't want lights on in the house. I think that's the idea, okay? But we're just so used to it, right? And um, because we've lost that understanding that there was something precious about it, there was something important about light. Now it's like, whatever, you know, turn all the lights on. In the same way, we kind of get too uh, glib, we get too blasé about the fact that we are supposed to be the light of the world. So essentially, we're supposed to be a place to be seen and to draw people. So you see, in the olden days, when you were traveling along a road and you wanted to get to a village, you knew you were close to the village when? When you saw the lights of the village. They would light at the gates of the village, they would light two or three or four or whatever pillars or torches so you could say, oh, I'm not far. I could see the glimmer of the torches. I'm close to the village, right? You see, and of course, they would put it up higher so you could see it from farther so in the same way christians are supposed to be lights to draw people hey this is where safety is hey this is where welcome is hey this is where god is this is where we're at come over here here we are we're lights we're not hidden you know so that's why we know for sure it's definitely wrong when christians oh we're christians we know the truth everybody shut ourselves off from the world don't do anything else that the world is doing close the doors don't let anybody in don't talk to anybody and become our own little thing well that's the complete opposite of what Jesus is talking about. The complete opposite. You can't have an impact if you're only just your own little group. I was talking about this last night, I'll repeat it again. You know, this whole thing with the virus, whatever. I, you know, honestly, I'm not prophesying or anything. Uh, guys, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, and it'll be alright. Everybody relax. Okay? But in the olden days, in the olden days when the church was around, when the churches started and there was a plague, do you know what the church was famous for? Helping people. Instead of going, oh, I don't want to get this, I don't want to get this, let's all run away and everybody, don't touch anybody who's not one of us, don't talk to anybody who's not one of us, don't talk to... No, the church was famous for going out even during the Black Death. You know that one? (coughs) You're dead? No, ring around the rosie, pocket full of posies, that's the Black Death. Okay? The church was famous for going and helping, even at the risk of their own life. That's being light. Right? Instead of saying, well, we're safe, nobody has it here, great, shut the doors, don't let anybody in. That is not the place of the church, the place of the church. So when people, sometimes you hear it, even Christians say, oh, the world is such a bad place, there's so much bad going in the world. Sure, go out and help. Don't tear yourself away from it. The Bible tells us to be in the world and not of it. And so what that means is, don't be like it, but be out there. Mm -hmm. It never says take yourself out. God bless monks and all that stuff, they're doing their best, but that's the complete wrong direction. There was, never a, there was never part of the command of take yourself away. Don't touch anybody. Don't talk to anybody. We're not more holy than anybody else. And in fact, I don't think there's anything more holy than going out and being light in the midst of the mess. Yeah. I think that's holy because that's what, who did? Yeah, that's what Jesus did. Nobody was more holy than him. And he went, went, it said often, you're reading the Bible, he went out into the middle of the crowd. He went out and walked amongst the crowd. He walked out amongst, amongst the crowd. That's what Jesus did. He went out to be light. So we're like a city on the hill, a place to find safety, a place to find direction. So here we go. Can we have this impact? How can we have this impact? So I'm about to go into a portion of scripture, which I admit is to me is a challenging portion of scripture. It's important to understand where we're coming from here, okay? So we're gonna go read from James. Anybody know who James was? Who was James? Jesus' Jesus brother, right? Half-brother, technically, yes. Jesus' half-brother, and also, not only that, what was important about James? Anybody know? We know something about James. Sure, he ended up being one of the main apostles and he, he, he worked with Jesus. Uh, he ran the church in Jerusalem, we know that, and he, whatever. But there's something very important about James you need to understand. That James was not a believer in Jesus until later. Yeah. He, in fact, remember, we, we said his brother thought he was crazy yeah. at one point. Yeah. Okay, and then he became a believer. It's important to understand in the context of what we're going to read here. Okay, so let's go to James. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters... If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is out clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Okay, now, the, actually, I actually think that unbelievers, non-Christians will read this and agree with it right away. It's Christians that have a problem with this scripture. Because it runs into the whole thing of salvation is not of works, right? Lest anyone should boast. But it's faith only, right? But they're talking about two different things, so you have to be careful, okay? It is important, it's a deep truth to understand. Salvation does not come by works. I'm going to try and explain this for a second for everybody uh, edification. What that means is you can't be accepted by God because you do good deeds. Everybody understand that? There is no balance sheet. God is not keeping track. He's not keeping score. Okay, He's not saying, like, oh good, Richard hit 100 good deeds for the year of 2019. I will now accept him for 2020 and see how he does for this year. If he doesn't make 105, a slight improvement, I might reject him. It's not like that. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not like you need to attain a certain level of goodness or good deeds to be accepted by him. That is not at all. What it's about. It's a Bible. Faith alone. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. He rose again on the third day, and he's coming back. That sort of thing. That's faith. I believe it. I'm going to live that. Okay? And that's important to understand that salvation, being saved, being a Christian, is only due to that. But there's something else. Okay? It says here, James is clear. Someone who has faith, someone who says, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, excuse me, does the actions that correspond with the words, I'm a Christian. What are those actions? Well, they're the actions that look like what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? Do you remember that scripture from before? He went around doing good. Okay? So, one, I want to address the word. There's a word here, deeds, different languages say work. So, one, it is actually work. Okay? Okay? work. Now the Bible says, "Take my burden. I uh, take my yoke upon you, my burden my burden is easy and light and all that stuff." Listen, folks, being good in the world is going to take energy and effort. It's going to take work. Okay? <laughs> anybody ever done any charity event ever? Anybody ever? we do them every year here, but anybody yeah. How, are you after you're like, "Whoa, that was refreshing." Yeah. <laughs> Woo, feel so relaxed. No, you're dead tired because you just did work, but you did good work. Okay, every year we do the big give here, right? That big day where everybody's out there. A whole, it's only a few hours after. And it's go, 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 go. Then you clean up whatever. And then all you want to do is just like relax afterwards. There's nothing wrong with that. Good works are exactly that. They're work. I think that's why sometimes we shy away from it because it takes effort. It's not easy. Okay, but listen to this. He actually says that without works, good works, your faith is, what does he call it? dead. So that's why Christians are like, well, I'm a Christian. I, I don't do... It. I pray. I pray, but I don't... I'm not going to help with this thing or that thing. I'm just. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm a prayer general, they, tell, they call themselves. I'm up in the heavenlies doing... That. Rubbish! It's actually addressed right here. He says, imagine somebody coats you and says, I need a coat. You got it, buddy. I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray that it will rain coats. When you've got a coat on your back, now if somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I've got cancer," it's like, "Hey, let's pray, let's pray," because I can't cure cancer, so I know God can. Let's pray. But if comes to you and says, "Hey, I need a coat," I've got lots of coats. I don't need the, the answer to prayer is in my closet. So, but think about that in every aspect of our lives. Okay, don't overcomplicate and don't overspiritualize things. He actually says, "Faith without works is dead." I actually believe to a, this points to a Christian life that is self-centered. And it's actually very much the way the Western Christianity has sort of evolved. Right? It's a me religion. What is my calling? What is my ministry? What's my role? Where do I fit in? You know? I'll never forget. I love telling this story. Years ago, I told my parents, there was this minister from another country, doesn't matter where, and uh, he would come up here a lot. And I told my parents, I... I don't like this person, there's something, and then he sent his update, and it was a story, it was three paragraphs long, and he used the word I, referring to himself 17 times in three paragraphs. And I was like, how does this, how does this even happen, right? You have to understand that it's not about me, and it's certainly not about the church, it's all about Jesus, right? And so that's why we have to put others first, and we have to get rid of that idea that it's a me religion, it's a they religion, it's a Jesus religion, and Jesus came for who? All. All. Okay, so what are good works? What are good works? Can anybody think of anything? What are they? Okay, feeding hungry people. Good. What else? Okay, what else? Okay, helping the elderly, sure. Listening, or listening to somebody, yeah. Somebody said volunteering, sure. What else? It's not, give, a money. give a little money, yeah. What else? Come on, it's open form. You can being sensitive, to needs. being sensitive to needs, seeing or listening for what people are up to, what they need. Anybody else? Motivate people. Motivate people. That's a good one encouraging yeah same sort of stuff you see how many there are there are millions of good deeds and by the way i have a a secret sauce for you are you ready for this it's in the bible where anybody can find it but it actually says the lord says that he has prepared the good works for us to do in advance so not only are there millions of good works they're already prepared for you, so you don't have to go just live your life. And when you see, I think as Bob said, when you're sensitive to the needs and you see them, do them. Okay? Because a Christian that doesn't do good works, and one of those things, we just said them, has a faith, and I hope you don't get upset at me, because this is Jesus' brother saying it here, that faith is dead. Ugh. Can you imagine that? Dead? Isn't that a strong word? Well, that's what he says. Right? Actually, if you go down to, um, let me just open it up now that my Bible closed. Hold on. In James chapter 2, all the way down to the end. As the body without the spirit is dead. So he's saying, in the same way that if your spirit left your body, you would die. You'd be dead, obviously, because your spirit same way is faith without deeds is dead. So you can have faith, I believe Jesus Christ, and say all the right things but if you don't actually live it out in helping other people, it's dead. Okay, so we're talking about having a fresh impact this morning. Uh, We all understand, one, that we all have an impact whether we like it or not. Right, right? Everybody, I have an impact right now because what I'm saying impacts you negatively, positively, whatever way it's happening. You're impacting me right now by the choice to listen or not listen or surf your phone or whatever, right, you're impacting me. Okay? And when you leave here, you're going to impact the waiters and waitresses. At home, you're going, to impact, uh, you're going to impact all sorts of people. We all have an impact. The question is whether we choose to have a, good, a negative impact or a positive impact. It doesn't matter whether your impact is huge or whether your impact is small. We all have impact. Two, we know that our expectation is to be salt and light. So we are to help preserve the world, our friends, our loved ones, help them, and to be a light to them. And the Bible says again, remind you, let your light shine before men. Let it be seen in front of men. Right? You know, so when someone says, Well, what do you do Sunday? Oh, I'm busy Sunday. <laughs> what are you doing Sunday? Church. Right? It's actually, I go to church. Why do you go to church? Ah, whatever. <laughs> right? That's not letting your light shine. Right? I'm not saying you should be like walking to a big. Hey, everybody, I go to church. Everybody listen to me. I know everything. I'm not saying that either. That's not letting your light shine. That's called being a jerk. Okay? But when you have the opportunity to shine your light and say, actually, you know, the reason I do this, the reason I'm like this is because, you know what? Put it this way. Um, I think I wrote this down somewhere. Hold on. You ready for this one? It's a bit long, but you ready? In short, we work... To try and make things better because we've been made better and as a result we want to share that goodness with everyone all the time because the one Jesus who made us better gives us the power to do it and that's the only appropriate response in the light of being given that gift does that make sense that's what we should do imagine someone comes to you and says all right I'm giving you a million dollars to do good deeds. okay? But you can't spend it on yourself. You can only do good deeds with it. And you just sat on it, and sat on it, and sat on it, and sat on it, and didn't do it. They didn't give you a timeline, so you decide, I'm just going to sit on it, and sit on it, and sit on it. It's sort of the same idea. Clearly, what God gives us is much more important than money, but I wanted to use an example that we would all understand. So it's the equivalent of being able to do something and doing nothing about it. And you say, oh, I'm feeling so much pressure, you're putting pressure on me. No, 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 just start with the small things, a kind word, a helpful hand, or whatever it is. If you're looking for volunteer opportunities, trust me, we got plenty, right? Whatever that's what it is. But I actually think that it's much more, I want to be careful that you don't pigeonhole this. That's it, I'm going to help with the food bank now, I'm going to help with the food bank every week. Good, but that's not all I'm talking about, okay? It's not just about volunteer opportunities. It has a lot more to do with how you live at home, how you live at work, how you live out there in your community, how you treat your spouse, how you treat your children, how you treat your fellow believers, how you treat your neighbors. That's really what it has a lot to do. And they begin to see, you know, um, I mean, I know uh, anybody can do good works, right? Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it but it takes, but a believer should be doing it uh, first. Do you know what I mean by that? Anybody can do good works, but a believer should be the one going and trying to do it first. We should be front and center trying to do to help. I was thinking, uh, where's Jeremiah? Is he still here? Jeremiah's in the back there. Jeremiah's a young guy. I don't know how old he is, 20, 21, something like that. Okay, so he's young and fit. And last week, somebody showed up, and uh, the back path, they had a wheelchair. And we have a wheelchair path, but there was a lot of ice there, right, Jeremiah? Right, Jeremiah's AV guy. He could have said, "Oops, sorry, I'm doing AV. I got to do here and punch some buttons." Right, and he said, "No." He put it aside. He ran outside, and I I can't believe how fast he did it. He went, <laughs> and he cleared the whole path for this lady to be able to come into church. All right, and he didn't. He's not asking me to say this. I'm just saying it. That, my friends, it has a huge impact. That was a work of ministry. That was the, a ministry of help. That was something that God you know, loved and smiled upon, and it was small. And nobody would know about it unless I just had told you. Those are the type of things multiplied a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million times are the things that Christians should and can be doing. And I know a lot of you are doing every day all over the world. And that's the way uh, God wants it. But I want to just ratchet it up as we come to a close. It's noon now. It's not... See, the phone is telling me to be quiet. Um, It's not just about doing nice things. Can we go back to what Jesus did? Can you go back to that scripture, please, where Jesus, it says what Jesus was doing? Um, it might be the third slide or the second slide. It says he went about doing good. No, next one. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So, folks, it's not just limited to being a nice person. It also includes impactful, powerful ministry into people's lives. Amen? Are you with me here? You know, I'll tell you one thing last night I was super encouraged by. Somebody needed prayer last night, and they couldn't make it um, on time for their prayer meeting because they're working. And they said, I need prayer. And I said, will you come right after? And then I said to the people who were here for the prayer meeting, I said, hey, so-and-so is coming and needs prayer really bad. If any of you want to stay to pray with him, please stay. Everybody stayed. And we prayed with that person, the whole group. We prayed for a healing. Amen? That's good works. I was super happy to see that. I hope that person was super encouraged. But the point is, you see what I'm saying? It's not just limited to like, oh, I'm going to help my neighbor across the street. I'm going to buy groceries for my neighbor. I'm going to clear my neighbor's yard. I'm going to mow my neighbor's lawn. Awesome. Those are great things. Don't stop doing those things. But it goes to the next level. Okay? We didn't receive the power of the Holy Spirit just to do nice things. We did receive the power of the Spirit to do great things. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. Anybody believe me? We have people in this room going for surgery. We have people in this room fighting through horrendous uh, difficulties right now. We have people in this room fighting through relationship difficulties. And we believe that God can heal all of that, can fix all of that. Amen? (laughs) And sometimes we can't do anything with our hands. Sometimes we can't go to their house just to make them feel better and encourage them. Well, that's a good thing. Sometimes all we have is prayer. Amen? But I want to be careful. Even if I said that, even me saying that is the wrong way to say it. I should say all we have is prayer. Because it's not like that's the worst or the weakest of the weapons. That's the strongest, the best of the weapons we have. Amen? So I wonder if you could all stand up right now. We're going to do a couple of things. We're going to do an activity. So one. I don't know if there's anybody that needs a fresh start. You feel like, you know what, I feel a bit like that water at the beginning. I feel a little bit like that stagnant pool of water. I need a stirring. I need something new going on. I need, I need a fresh start. That's, God is here for that right now, right here in this house. Okay? You might say, I need a fresh revelation. I need an understanding. I'm not really sure I know who Jesus is, what he did. I don't get it. The Holy Spirit of God can reveal that to you right now. I cannot. I could talk for a week and a half and I couldn't explain it to you the way God can reveal it to you in an instant. So if you need that right now, I just want you to think about that. Some of you might be saying, you know what, a couple of weeks ago we talked about the anointing. I just feel like I, I, I need a fresh anointing from the Holy Spirit and able to do these things. We're going to pray for that right now. And remember, we're not going to pray that you're going to have an impact because everybody has an impact. The question is, what impact are we going to have? So I wonder this morning, if, if you could just close your eyes so it's a bit private, everybody's minding their own business. If anybody here needs a fresh start or a fresh revelation, you're just like, listen, I need to know this whole Jesus thing. I need to understand it. I would like, to be, I would like God, the Holy Spirit, just to speak to me and explain to me all about Jesus. Uh, could you just raise up your hand right now in Jesus' name? It's, I'm the only one looking. Alright, I'm the only person looking. I'm the only one who's going to know, and we can talk after, but that's it. Thank you. Amen. If you need a fresh revelation or impartation, a, a, a anointing of the Holy Spirit today, you just feel like, I want to do these things. I know it's the right thing to do. I just feel like I need a, a, a lift from God. And could you, you raise your hand up to heaven and just say, that's me. I feel like I need a touch from God right now. Lift up your hand to heaven. Amen. That's quite a few of you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to pray. First, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've made it clear that not only did you anoint Jesus, not only did you reveal Jesus to us, not only, uh, Lord, did Jesus have an impact, but, Lord, you made it clear that you've created us to have an impact in the same way that he had. And the way he did that is by giving us your Holy Spirit so that we could go out there, do good works, Lord. Lord, we don't want to do just good works just so people think we're nicer, just so people think we're, uh, Lord, very kind, Lord, but that people understand who you are and that you love them. So first I pray for those who really want a revelation of who Jesus is. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll speak to them in their heart, and their mind, Lord clarify things for them help them to have a revelation of the holy spirit uh, by the holy spirit lord of who jesus is that he loves them lord lord that from the beginning of time lord you had a plan for each and every one of us and lord i pray that they will know lord uh, the truth of the cross, Lord, the truth of repentance, Lord, the truth, Lord, of salvation in Jesus' name. I pray for those who are looking for fresh anointing, Lord, that they will receive it right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, and Lord, that they'll use that anointing to go out and do good. I pray for this church, Lord. pray to help us to be a church of people that make a difference, people that understand, Lord, that people of faith, certainly, Lord, but people understand that faith that works is dead, so that we will go out there, Lord, and do good amongst our neighborhood. Lord, from the smallest thing, Lord, to the biggest thing. Help us to be people of prayer, Lord, who understand, Lord, that the greatest weapon you gave us was prayer. And, Lord, that we can pray impossible things into reality because of who you are and what you've done. Help us, Lord, also, Lord, to make a difference in the world, Lord. Help us, Lord, to clothe those who need to be clothed and feed those who need to be fed and to help those who need to be helped. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.